Well, hello everyone. This is Gigi Rogers of the Creative Hive, powered by AIGA Hampton Roads. Welcome to this new episode where we sit down with creators from all walks of life to tease out some of their habits, tips, tricks, favorite books, and so on so that you may be able to apply and test them out in your own creative work. In this episode, I'm talking with Jared Beasley. He's a photographer, creative director, rapper, yeah, you heard that right, and the business owner behind the marketing agency, Astoria. In this power pack chat, we discuss how Jared went from freelancing to owning his own marketing agency, various ways to practice proposal pitching, tips on negotiating and pricing, Jared's rap career with his group Midbest, what it takes to run a good video production, and more. So without further ado, enjoy this episode of The Creative Hive, powered by AIGA Hampton Roads with the artist and creative director, Jared Beasley. Well, hello, Jared. Thank you so very much for joining this podcast today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm you know, honored that you would ask to, to speak with me. I'm, I'm happy to do it. No worries. So can you first tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm a... Creative director at Astoria. It's a digital marketing agency that builds brands by telling stories. And I, I love the art of st- storytelling and um, how that kind of fleshes out for me is across a couple of different mediums, like through graphic design, web design, photography, video. You know, way back in the day, uh, Plato said, Those who tell stories rule society, Ooh. which is this kind of crazy thing. I'm not like geared up to rule society, but it's interesting <laughs> that. Stories really resonate with people mm-hmm. and focusing on storytelling through marketing and um, creative work is uh, really inspiring to me. And um, so that's where I've been able to focus my career on. But, you know, I, I was born in Kansas City where I was raised to love barbecue and sports. <laughs> and the, you know, the sports have brought me joy sometimes more recently. I'm really excited about the Chiefs right now. But uh, anyways. <laughs> That's just a little bit of personal stuff about me, too. (laughs) Now, in your bio, you said that in 2008, it's all started out as a hobby, and then it turned into a full-time position in 2012 with your agency, Astoria. Now, what was the process of you turning it into a full-time gig? Did you quit your job and go all in, or did you have enough clients in the funnel where you felt comfortable moving forward with your ambition? Yeah, I was at, in grad school at the time studying mm. digital marketing and business. Mm. And while I was in grad school, I started to build up a couple of different projects. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated, the university offered me a position in marketing, which I took for a year and then launched out after that year. So I had just built up projects as I was in school. And then in that one year, I worked uh, outside of school. And then I just went for it. When you talk about projects, do you mean um, things that you were doing on your own time or was it projects that the school actually assigned you? Yeah, on my own time. So in addition to all my school work. And then I also worked for the university in recruiting while I was a student. So yeah, I hustle, baby, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's all about. It really is. And also about those connections that you make as well for you actually working for the school that actually, I'm sure that probably helped with your career perhaps a little. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It helped. But... It was mostly you. It was mostly you and just on the hustle and the grind, you know, just finding your clients and stuff. Do you remember your first sale or your first client? Yeah. So I thinking about this, my first sale was probably a website I did 
for an author and media personality. Um, my, my advisor at university, it was his wife, so she has a bunch of books that she had put out and she needed a website. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, clear back in 2009. Um, so back then, the landscape was a little different. Oh, yeah. And uh, anyway, so that was like my first web project. And then it kind of just was all word of mouth from there. Um, you know, good work brings more work. Yeah. And it was word of mouth. That's how I started to build up more projects. Okay. And so a lot of people go into the creative field, no matter what it is, and want to work with top brands and get paid the top dollar for the work. You know, they want that word of mouth and the popularity sometimes right after the second project that they ever do. Um, What do you think were some of the milestones that led to the point where you have a digital agency and you're a full-time photographer, uh, uh, market uh, marketing manager and creative director and all those things so that you get the so yet you can actually choose the clientele that you want to work with you know as creatives we go into the creative field wanting to do the creative work mm. but you know you're running an entire business really mm-hmm. um you can't just be doing the creative stuff all the time so i think what allowed me to get to where i am is i first focused on just the practicality of establishing a real business mm-hmm. right so all of the practical steps you have to go through to do that. I formed an LLC. I um, found a good accountant. I got a good lawyer to help me work on creating good contracts mm-hmm. uh, to cover all of my bases. And then at the same time, you know, I did focus on creating quality work that I wanted to showcase that would then bring me the more type of work that I wanted to do. So you could look and say, here's an example, like, Let's say you want to create magazine ads, like an ad that would go in, let's say, Fast Company, like a full page, full page spread, right? Mm-hmm. And then just create something similar to that on the side that you would hope to get paid for one day mm-hmm. to start building out your portfolio. So think about like what inspires you and then do that sort of work, maybe even just for fun to start off with. And then you'll get more work like that because the kind of work you show is the kind of work you're going to get, yes. you know? Absolutely. One thing that you just said in regards to uh, just running your business in general, and that I've heard from other uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs saying is that they'll go into the creative field wanting to be creative, but then when they have the business, they ha- some when they start to hire on more people, that they have to walk away from the creative so that they can actually work on the business and work in the business. Have you noticed that you have to do something similar or not really? Yeah, it's a, it can be a balancing act, but it depends on the type of people you bring on. Because one of the things when people are first starting out is they'll be like, well, I'm getting so swamped with, with emails and, you know, sending out proposals. Mm. And then you're like, man, when am I going to get to do any creative stuff? And at yeah. that point, it's kind of like hire people to help you so that you can focus on the creative. Because when you bring in somebody who's just crazy about writing proposals or uh, you know drumming up new business, uh-huh. and and they're really good at it, then you can focus on the creative work you want to do. Um, but you know it depends on how your your company's structured and what kind of people you've brought on. Um, but you have to set boundaries and yeah. I was actually just talking to somebody in regards to the boundaries that he sets with his clients. Do you set boundaries for like inside your business as well? 
I mean, it's a matter of just being having good communication and setting expectations for everyone mm-hmm. as far as what everyone's responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you're, I mean, if it's out there and it's defined, then there's not any gray areas to who's not doing their job, you know? Mm-hmm. Got it. I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, that's great. No, that's, no, you're setting up that structure and processes in place you know, in beforehand, and that's extraordinarily important. So when it comes to, I'm not, I'm not bombarding you with questions in regards to your, uh, your freelancing business, because I really like it. I think it's really fantastic. It's great. And uh, I think a lot of people can learn a lot uh, off of you as well. So when it comes to pricing your services, uh, that can be a huge stumbling mm-hmm. block for a lot of creatives, what are some tips you can give freelancers in regards to pricing yourself so you don't pigeonhole yourself? And when I say pigeonhole, yeah, well, I mean within that certain price range. So, yeah, so like uh, if you price yourself too low, then people will come to you if they have a $400 project. But when you start pricing yourself at $4,000, then they'll go to somebody else who they already know or has worked with who has that $4,000 price tag. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, when I first got into this, I had started pricing myself just like an hourly fee. Mm-hmm. And I really moved away from that, especially on the web and branding side of things. And so I have different pricing structures for different types of work. So, you know, price per project on the web branding side of things and, um, definitely not per hour because then you're just commodifying yourself and somebody's going to be like, well, you know, this guy charges this, this guy charges way less. I'll just go with the guy who charges less, mm-hmm. you know, and like, even if it's not quite as good of a pro- uh, product, I'll go with the cheaper guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you create a proposal that's itemized and they can see it's all about building the value. Yeah. Um, it's just a different way of going about it that I found to be way more effective but then on the in terms of like the photo and video, you know, we it's completely different and it encourages like production, post production and licensing fees. Mm-hmm. So you're usually charging like a day rate. But when you're brand new and you're coming into it, you just you do need to do some market research, like hit up other people and just you know, ask a bunch of different people that you respect if they'd be willing to share with their pricing structures because it's not as simple as other types of business out there. Like you can go to Best Buy and find out what a TV costs. You know, and you just yeah. kind of get a feel for what the market rate is, but it's a little bit more murky in the creative field. Um, that's why I think it's really valuable for people who are starting out, like straight out of college, to at least intern at an agency or, uh, you know, in a corporation that has a marketing department to try and then really try to get into the business side of stuff while you're there. Mm-hmm. So if you're just like interning as a designer, be like, hey, can I pick the brains of people here who are setting up the contracts and uh, writing the proposals and stuff to see how this stuff works? Yeah. Because the, the insight's going to be like way more valuable probably than the time you'll get just um, making like what writing web copy or, you know, making uh, ads or whatever you're going to be doing there. Um, so that's what that's what I would recommend. And probably, if possible, for them to sit in the client meeting when they're actually pitching the creative brief to them as well, as in what type of verbiage, yeah, what type of verbiage are they using so that the client knows that they're actually getting value? 
So are you helping them save money? You're helping them get exposure? You're helping them make more money? You know, et cetera, things of that nature. Sure. And um, some agencies, depending on what their transparency is like at the different agencies you're at, you might even be able to ask them if you can see the pitch decks that they've had in the past for new work. Yeah. And you could even take a like a, a prior pitch deck and then practice pitching it, you know, oh. like just go through and like just pitch it to a friend or something later on. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, a mock, a mock pitch. That's basically it. And yeah. then, uh, but it would be great if your friend as, or it's possibly somebody who's in business or even getting a family member or a family friend and say like, hey, can I practice this pitch on you? And, you know, you go ahead and give me your thoughts and then that will be it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And just go ahead and just kind of grow from there. Yeah, I love that idea. Love that a lot. Now, when it comes to negotiating your prices, especially in the beginning of your journey, that can feel daunting, especially to the inexperienced individual. Um, but negotiating is something that can be learned. Do you remember a time that you negotiated your price at the amount you wanted? And if so, do you have any tips for the noob when it comes to negotiating? You know, I actually negotiate on nearly all of my projects. Oh, wow. And if, yeah, if there's any discussion on price, then I probably underbid from the get-go. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And uh, because usually when somebody comes to me, I try to think about how I can sell a package rather than just a uh, specific service. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, hey, uh, we want a video um, that showcases our brand. And then I'm thinking, well, there's what are you going to do with this video? Have you considered running an entire ad campaign based around it? Or you could do a series of videos rather than a single video. Yes. Um, you know, or if it's a photography set, somebody's like, hey, I want you to come out and shoot photos of um, my, co- my company. You know, you could recommend a retainer where they have regular shoots that are tied to social campaigns. Nice. And so you pitch these big kind of all-encompassing um, – campaigns mm-hmm. and then people are able to, to kind of pick and choose what they want and so that's kind of where the negotiating comes in mm-hmm. but then as far as the actual pricing structure goes you know i'm itemizing all of my stuff which is like rather than just a big price tag you can see like build in extra value into the different things so like a website what's a website cost well holy cow there's so many different factors that go into what a website costs yeah. right you know, you've got the amount of content and the functionality, and then you can itemize all the different functionality um, that's included on the site that they want. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's a, it's about building value yes. and then being really confident in the value that you offer. Yes. You know? And so if somebody's going to push back on price, like I, I've had people who are like, look, this is the price. This is what it is. And if, if, if this is too much, you know, maybe there's certain uh, maybe – if it's a web project functionality, we can remove, right? And then when people say, ah, oh, no, man, I, re- I mean, I want all of it. Then they actually, you know, they almost always end up paying the price. Yeah, you'll find the money. Exactly. Yeah. And especially, like you said, if you're going to be go ahead and giving them the right value. And I love what you said right there in regards to, um, so say somebody wanted a video. So like, what are you going to do with the video? What is it that you want the video to actually do for you? Are you going to be using this in an ad? Are you going to be using it in a funnel to lead people to uh, to sign up for something or to purchase something? And then, yep, that's 100%. Yeah, I love that. So you really have to think of the end goal for the client for every um, service that they're asking for. Yeah. 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 And I also try to think about it as, 
what do I, at the end of the day, what do I want to do? And I found that it's way uh, more effective for me to have even more control. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me and they already have a website and they want like a, an ad, an ad campaign with a landing page, mm -hmm. but their, their site's really old, outdated. And it's, the landing page needs to look slick and it needs to be, you know, the copy has to be um, really engaging. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, this is not going to match. This is going to be way better than what you've already got going. Have you considered an entirely new website? <laughs> and they probably already have. Uh -huh. but this is just another, like someone like prodding them. And then, then maybe, yeah, they want an entirely new web project. And then the whole project's like way bigger than it initially started to be. So it's not that I'm necessarily always trying to upsell. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think in terms of what's the best value for the client yes, and what would make this project the most effective yes. and enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they don't have the budget, then um, maybe we don't do this giant thing. But even if they don't have the budget, the baseline budget, then, you know, maybe I'm not the guy they want to work with. You know, maybe they need somebody else. So yeah. you also can't be afraid to. You're like, no, that's the price. And if you don't want to work with me, I'm, you know, this is, we're just not meant to work together. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of work out there. Yeah. I was actually just talking to somebody in regards to be willing to walk away from your client, or even if, you know, if a client is, doesn't respect the boundaries and is not going along with the contract and such, be, don't be afraid to actually fire the client as well. Yeah. Be, uh, be really slow to hire and be really quick to fire. No, I've heard that said a lot and it, i mean it, but it goes both for like employees and for for clients mm -hmm. you know, there are nightmare clients that will just yeah so you you got to be quick to to jump out of stuff too before you even get into it sometimes can you possibly share one scenario that you had you don't have to mention any names of a nightmare client well all my nightmare clients have they're all great people uh-huh i haven't had i luckily have not had many of them and what has been nightmarish about the project is not the way that they have treated me. It's more of just demanding extra rounds of edits or extra rounds of pages. Or extra, yeah. Uh, and so what I have to do, that's why your proposals have to be solid. Mm -hmm. And you, especially if you're charging not hourly and you're charging per project, you know, you, you write in certain things that say, hey, this includes only so many rounds or up to so many um, pages or so many, uh, a certain word count if you're doing copywriting and all that kind of stuff that you're putting in these things to protect yourself from uh, like endless project drag, yeah. you know. Um, and then that gets into like a, refocuses it to making sure it stays within their budget so then you know what i'm saying like you're redirecting if the project drags it's going to cost them more yes. rather than costing you a ton of time and then you're earning less in the end because yes. you're spending all this time for less and less money as the time drags i've definitely noticed that so, say you give a client say or say all right you get three edits you know after it's all done they'll take more time to look over everything with a fine tooth comb and then and then go ahead and send the edits back to me and say it's like okay this is uh, basically what we need right here uh, versus if you give them i don't like you said like it, it, it drags on to ad nauseum then they'll just like nitpick here and there and they'll spread it out over the long term and not take as much time to like look over everything mm -hmm. yeah totally 
Now, I want to talk about you possibly becoming the fourth member of Lonely Island. Because I looked at your videos on YouTube. Uh, so we see we have a rap song about donuts. Another one about date night. And then my favorite one that made me laugh out loud was Struggle Bus. <laughs> Where did these come from? And can we possibly expect any more? Well, you know, I've been rapping since day one. You know, oh, I came out. I came out of the womb with a mic in my hand. <laughs> That's not scientifically verifiable, but I have been <laughs> rapping for a long time. Uh -huh. And uh, me and my buddy Chris put out this uh, mid best project. We do have another music video that we shot that we haven't edited just yet, um, but we do have a full album out, and it's everywhere. You know, Apple Music, Spotify. It's called Mid Besties. It's got 15 tracks of Fury. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's a fun, fun, yeah, it's a fun project. And so I'd like to continue making music. I think it's really fun. Um, I've always got in my hands and all these little different creative projects. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just love to make things. And I don't know, it's fun. I'd love to tour. You know, why not? Let's go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I have to say the production value is absolutely amazing on all of these. Do you set that? I'm, uh, well, I, I would assume that you would set all that up yourself considering you are a creative director, but can you tell like uh, maybe a little bit about the, or even some tips that you would actually give to somebody when they go search for you on YouTube and the, the YouTube videos in regards to actually uh, running a production, a video production for like a music video? Well, any video, you know, or any project, you know, you got to plan. And yeah, prep is it, so key. Yeah, so with the video, the video side of things, you know, you want to have a couple of different documents outlined, like your shot list mm -hmm. and then an actual script. Like I think some people don't even think of scripting a music video. They're just like, oh, these are the points we're going to hit with it. But <laughs> For a good, a good music video, it needs to have some sort of narrative to it, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just cool shots with people dancing around. And then, like, I don't know, that's cool for a minute, maybe. Mm -hmm. But if there's some sort of narrative that helps push you through, it goes back again to the whole storytelling side of this deal. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, I mean, if you are able to have stuff planned out, then your shoot day is just going to be really successful because you're just going to be flying through stuff. And So all of those videos we planned out really really well in detail mm -hmm. and did you how many people do you think were actually involved in creating say the the i would say the struggle bus that was you had some extras in regards to that one but say the donut video how many people that it seemed like it was basically just the two of you how many people did it actually take to bring that to life probably about 20 people total. Wow. you know we had I think we had like four people, four extras. And then we had uh, like six to eight people in crew, mm -hmm. you know? And then we, inevitably, there's all these other people that play a role that weren't there during the shooting. Either they helped secure the location or like the donut shop providing the donuts. Like they made tons of donuts for us. They're so giving. Like Sugar Shack in Virginia Beach. You got to go. They're amazing. I love you so much. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it takes, you know, it takes a, a really good team to create a really good product. For sure. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you probably just see us guys rapping in front of the camera and like, you know, don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes. But we had a solid crew and a bunch of those guys, I, you know, I work with on our agency stuff. So it was a really natural thing to work together and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
I can see again you possibly getting scooped up by Lonely Island and saying like, yeah, man, we, we like your song. We dig it. <laughs> but if Lonely Island, if Lonely Island actually did come up to you and say like, hey, we would love to have you and our crew, would you say yes? Or would you be like, no, I, I like what I'm doing with my, my friend here. It's good. Oh, man. <laughs> like joining their crew, that's like, uh, that's a pretty serious thing. I think I'd be like, hey, man, let's work on some projects together. <laughs> you know, yeah. and see where it goes. Let's let's get to know each other a little bit before we get married. <laughs> I can actually definitely see you possibly uh, creating a video for them because yeah. I see like your well, styles are a little bit in line. Yeah. Yeah, we get that. Yeah, a lot of people have drawn that comparison for sure. That's cool. It's definitely fun for sure. So tell us, uh, what books, podcasts, videos, whatever helped you to become a better storyteller? <clears throat> Oh man, I mean, it's, you know, like my worldview has been shaped by so many different things Mm -hmm. that I've read or listened to. Uh, One of my professors said way back in the day, you know, leaders are readers. Yes. And I've always tried to to be reading, not just inside of my chosen profession, but outside of it. So just to listen stuff off, like the educational resources, especially for photography, I watch stuff on YouTube. There's incredible resources there. Uh, Creative Live, RGGEDU. They actually have the podcast as well. And then I read a bunch of different blogs. Uh, you know, the, a- the WWWA Awards, uh, F-Stoppers, Petapixel, on social media, I'm on Instagram, and 500 pics. And then, you know, I, but it's important to read stuff, like I was saying, outside of your field. So, like, I read... Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond, which is basically addressing yeah. why have some um, people groups or uh, societies not advanced as fast as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll find that, I mean, it's a very complex issue, but one of the main reasons is, like, if you're not, if you're basically on an island, a lonely island, so to say, <laughs> and you don't have competition or you don't have um, you don't pick up little ideas from other cultures. Like you're, you're not going to innovate as fast. You're not going to improve. So for me, it's like, look, the way I'm going to get better in my work and life is by learning from other people mm-hmm. and being pushed by, especially like people who aren't like me and are different. Um, so how can I learn from others? And that's like, I love trying to just get coffee with people and like, what are you into? What projects are you working on? Like what's blowing your mind? Yeah. Um, so, like, not being so insular on, you know, even on social media, like, getting out of that space, um, getting, just just hitting your mind with all sorts of different stimuli is what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. It's been really helpful for me. No, I 100% understand that. I was talking to a couple of individuals in some other interviews um, saying mm-hmm. that how they like to pull influences from uh, things outside of the genre. So, even yeah. if it's something like tablescaping or woodworking or uh, architecture, you know, they can go ahead and pull those influences so that it actually affects their work. And yeah, and it really, it really stimulates the mind to, uh, for that creativity. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have last two questions for you. All right. Ready? Okay. If you had to give a 10 minute Ted talk on any topic you wanted right after this interview, what would it be on? Ooh, 
I would probably one of two things. I either want to talk about the importance of playing as an adult mm. because I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Or just donuts. <laughs> would do donuts. Oh, that would be interesting. A 10-minute TED Talk <laughs> on donuts. I would I would go to that just to hear what you would have to say. Like I, I'm curious if you'll be talking about the actual dough or the process or some processes to make different types of donuts. That would be interesting. <laughs> but also what you're saying about playing as well. I don't uh, I agree with you. I think you're going the same point that I am in regards to that just adults just don't play as much as we used to, and especially when you're stressed and about whatever's going on in your life, sometimes playing can help uh, push that stress away because you can't focus on two things at once. Absolutely. Yeah, doing some sort of activity that's fun but is so mentally uh, engaging mm-hmm. that you're focused to fully be there Yeah. and not somewhere else. So, I mean, it can even just be like sports activity. Like I love playing basketball, you mm-hmm. know, and like when I'm playing basketball, I'm thinking about is basketball. You know, I'm yeah. not thinking about anything. I'm like, it's, I, play, I play hard, and I'm like, I'm forced to think about it, and then it just helps you in a lot of different ways. You know, frees up your mind. For sure, I think it frees up your mind, and then also just that physical activity is probably will clear the clutter away, so that if you're trying to ponder on a question, sometimes after uh, playing a game of basketball. And again, clearing out that clutter, it's like, oh, there's the answer right there. I just needed to stop thinking about it for a while and let that mature while I was doing this other thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I might do a talk on uh, having a clear mind in our present day, like how to like free yourself from your phone. And Oh, yes. Yeah. Freedom from that the phone. Be like me pre- that's me preaching to me too, you know. I need that word. <laughs> got to free yourself from the phone oh man that i remember um or even now it's it can be kind of hard like is your phone uh, within arm's reach at you uh, from you at all times i think that was like one of the big questions that people have like it can't even be in the next room it has to be within arm's reach at all times and yeah so freedom from the phone i I would definitely go to that ted talk as well like what what kind of um Tips can you give someone to break the habit, I guess you can say, from constantly checking social media or whatever? Yeah. And okay, so final question. Where can people find you, Jared? Oh, man. I'm, you know, right now I'm actually working remotely, traveling all over the country and uh, doing that for the next year. Really? As far as like physically finding me, good luck. (laughs) I don't even know where I'm at right now. No. (laughs) We're not, I'm not here in California, but, uh, you know, online, you can find me on Instagram. My personal account is, uh, Jared C Beasley. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter. It's just Jared Beasley. And my website's jaredbeasley.net. If you want to check out some of my photography, the agency is historia.co. It's just, it, there's a lot going on, but you know what? You can just drop me out. If you really want to holler at me, just email me, Jared C Beasley at Gmail. Let's chat. I'd love to, uh, give any, inside I possibly could to other people who are kind of, you know, in the same, in the same lane, trying to make the world a better place through uh, creative work. And you said, where can they find your album? Is that on your website as well? Oh, the rap. So, so, hey, yo, <laughs> mid.best, mid.best, we got the .best domain. 
isn't that not amazing? Mid.best is a website. Um, but then Midbest Raps is a social handle and it's all across the board, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then the music is the group's Midbest. Like Midbest, like Midwest with a B because we're from the Midwest and we're not the best, but we're like maybe halfway there. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so that's that's the rap name. But yeah, Mid, Mid, Midbest, we're everywhere. Spotify. All the goods. Listen to it. You might get a kick out of it. <laughs> Oh, I think I just might have to. Thank you so very much, Jared, for your time. This is fantastic. Well, it's an honor. It's been a lot of fun, and I hope that people found some little nuggets in there to take and run with. Oh, 100%. There are some nuggets of knowledge in there that I think uh, a lot of people will find a lot of value out of. And that's the end of this interview, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. A few things before you take off. If you want any more information about Jared, that information will be linked down in the show notes. If you want to keep up with everything we're doing on the AIGA side of things, events, competitions, meetups we coordinate, other interviews we'll be doing, etc., you can find out about all of this on our Instagram, Facebook, and our new and improved website. Our Instagram is at AIGAHR. Our Facebook pages are AIGA Hampton Roads and HRVA Creatives. And our website is hamptonroads.aiga.org. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to us through, please subscribe. We have more interviews coming down the pipeline that'll be published as often as possible. Thank you again for listening. This is the Creative Hive powered by AIGA Hampton Roves, and we'll see you next episode.